Welcome to the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Caro Cook. Today, we have a special guest coming all the way from Israel, Sarah Stern, who's the executive director of The Schoolhouse, which provides adult education to refugees, asylum seekers, and individuals with limited educational background. Sarah, welcome to the Growth Exponential Podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. It's, well, it's great to have you. And I'm so curious, you're in Israel. Like, can you tell us about your personal background and what brought you to the schoolhouse? Uh, well, okay, I, made, I, came, I came to Israel actually when I was younger, when I was 12 years old. I made Aliyah with my family. What is, uh, what is Aliyah? Uh, basically, it means to descend. So it's the, it's the Hebrew way of, or the Hebrew slash Jewish way of saying to, to immigrate from any country around the world to Israel. Uh, so I moved from New York to, to Israel uh, when I was 12. Um, that's amazing that must have been a big shift for you it was a big shift it was not it was not easy uh and when i guess i was um i was living in jerusalem i was after college and i was living in jerusalem i was i was working and i started hearing about the first uh, asylum seekers that were crossing the border the, the southern border into israel at that time uh, there were very few of them coming in. Not many people knew about it. Uh, it. It was kind of like appearing on the news and on the radio here and there. Um, but uh, something about it like really touched my heart, and I, I just I kept on hearing about these every day. They would they would say five more people, eight more people crossed the border, uh, and um, I just. I felt that if they were crossing into our country and they were knocking on our doors and they wanted, they wanted help, then I felt like we had the, the obligation um, to, to help them. So, so I Sarah, started... Sarah, where, where were these asylum seekers coming from? They were coming from uh, mainly from Dan and from Eritrea, uh, crossing through Egypt. Some of them were, had even been in Egypt for a few years, so they had been on journey for a few years. Um, uh, yeah. And, what, and does, they, what does that refugee journey look like? Like, what is it that causes them to, to decide to leave Eritrea or where they're coming from in Africa and, and start heading to Israel? Uh, I think it varies. I mean, there are different reasons of war or corrupt government or um, lack of, uh, lack of um, freedom in their countries. Uh, for, for some of them, it was, it was an immediate type of, uh, there were immediate reasons for them. Um, to, to get up and to leave, and for some, it was it was, it was like it, by the time they reached Israel, they had gone through they had gone through different countries, and and, and it was kind of like, like a journey. So it wasn't you know it's not all it's not clear for everyone. Um, uh, they uh, certain get up and and you know take the dangerous journey um, by foot usually uh, there has to be a very good reason um, and so they 
Uh, many of them had already been, some of had been re residing in, in, in um, they start crossing into Israel. Uh, Israel doesn't really know what to do with these, with these people. Um, uh, and there really was no help being provided. There was no government help. And the only, really the only assistance were like good individuals or like some, you know, organizations who are providing basic needs and, and, you know, for these people. So you so saw I this. Heard, so you saw this and you were, you were driven to make a difference. Um, wh how did that, how did that happen? What did that end up looking like? Well, at first, I just tried to find out like different people who had already started being involved. And I was asking, what can I do to help? At that point, I was living in Jerusalem, and there was really there were I think there were there were no refugees in Jerusalem. Traveled to Tel Aviv. There were these huge shelters of people, just hundreds of people living in the shelters. So it was just to bring food or try to bring clothing. Um, some were living in Eilat. There were kibbutzim that were accepting them in Eilat uh, down south. And uh, then at a certain point, I remember I by chance met this girl who was on the street and she was on and she said to me, and she knew I was looking to help. And she said, oh, by the way, the um, Sudanese refugees were brought to Jerusalem. So I... Uh, I, I quickly, like I right away, involved. Um, honestly, I thought that be helping them with, like bringing them food, bringing them clothing, like all those basic needs. Um, but what had happened actually was that a, a hotel company had accepted this first group, this uh, had agreed to accept like 25 Sudanese uh, asylum seekers to give them jobs and to give them a place to live. So they had a, job, a place to live. And when I asked, what can I do to help? They said, we want education. And that was my, that was the first, uh, so that was my, basically like one of the first steps into meeting these, you know, new strange people that had entered our country. And um, so they wanted to learn Hebrew. Uh, I started meeting with them once a week, me and a few other volunteers, we got together, we started uh, teaching them Hebrew once a week. Uh, and just through the monthly, through the weekly meetings, um, just a lot of other issues started coming up, things that uh, just probably any new immigrant in a new country would have to deal with. But because there was no assistance for them, they, were, they had no one to turn to. And we were the ones, we were the locals that they were meeting once a week. So we began really in Jerusalem forming this network of, of uh, help and assistance. Um, of anything from finding furniture to helping with getting children into school or speaking to the landlords or looking for jobs or making sure employers pay them their jobs and pay them their money. And, and throughout all this, like I started more and more, but I kept on hearing again and again, we want education. We want education. And um, so eventually uh, that was, I guess, the, the start of uh, the schoolhouse. Wow. And how many people, are, how many refugees and asylum seekers are, are you serving now in the schoolhouse? Uh, so the schoolhouse eventually was uh, established in 2012. 
Um, we started with five students. We opened the first class with five students, and um, now we have over we have about we have over two hundred students every semester, which is about four to four hundred fifty students a year. We've had a few thousand students come through the schoolhouse so far. Plus um, today, it's our Aviv. We have. Uh, a school which which functions out of an Israeli art school called Minshal, who provide us classrooms at very low fee for a subsidized fee. Um, quick was that only these uh, adults, refugees, or asylum seekers, but many of them had really studied very few years in their life, so. About 25% of our students have had uh, real formal schooling for um, five years or less. Some have never been to school before. Uh, so a lot of our work is really um, also trying to understand how is the best, what's the best way to adult, uh, what's most relevant in the class, what's most relevant to bring to them when they come two evenings or one evening a week and uh, after a long day of work. And um, yeah. That's, am that's amazing. Do you have any stories for us about how the schoolhouse like has specifically touched someone's life or made a difference in their life? Uh, well, I can tell a story. Um, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of what makes us special is really that we are, say, like the pioneer or that really focuses only on education. There are many. There are other many other organizations who provide different services for the for the for the refugee population. But I think we're the only ones who really focus on and so we put a very uh, special focus on psychological development and research and um, uh, uh, ourselves in that and really making the connection between the student and the material that we're teaching. Um, but uh, there was, I don't know if there was uh, a detention center in Israel called Holt. Uh, that was set up in 2000 for a few years, where the government would send asylum seekers uh, a few thousands at a time to the detention center. A terrible place. It's, it was like a group of care all the way down in the south, very far from at least an hour's drive from like the, the nearest city, and they weren't there wasn't any alternative activity. Uh, provided for them during the day. So uh, we, yeah, uh, back in the view in HCR, we had the, we had for, for a few, um, but, uh, we created an educational program there, um, not in the center, but in Nietzsche's nearby. And uh, um, one day there was a, uh, I was in Tel Aviv, and one was from Cholot. He was he was he was in the he was from the he was in Cholot. All of a sudden, in Tel Aviv at the school in Tel Aviv. So I said to him, "Wow, his name is Asmi." I said, "So nice to see you." And 
we were talking for a few minutes and but I was thinking to myself, okay, I know that he has when they left from Holot, they let them out for like 24 hours. And I was thinking with the time travel to come all the way to to Tel Aviv, he came especially here to see us and to go back. Maybe there's a reason I asked, is there a reason that you um reason that you nice to see you, but is there a reason that you came? And he said, said, no, I really just came to be around good people so that I can take what I get from them and bring it back to others. Wow. So, I mean, I just, I think like with a lot of like, we pride ourselves in the, you know, that we really put a focus on education and skills and taking into account the background um, of our students. But a lot of, I think what we give is also really being a community and and there's a lot of there's a lot of like self-development uh that happens at the schoolhouse there's a lot of there are a lot of relationships between teachers and students and um uh yeah a lot hope for the future that's amazing that's really amazing and especially since here in the u.s we're facing a lot of asylum seekers and refugees and those things so i'm sure that so many of us can very much relate to the important work that you're doing because education and and that support really is key how how do people get involved I, you're all the way in israel like how do people in the u.s or other places in the world how do they get involved with the schoolhouse um, okay, so if you're outside of Israel, first of all, um, it's, uh, if you ever come, then you're welcome to come visit. We have a page and we have a website. Uh, we're actually putting together now a special program. It's called the Schoolhouse Experience, which accepts groups or big groups or small groups to come and experience with our students. Um, so this is also good because it supports us. There's a price and it, and not a, not a high price, but it will also help support our work. Uh, I have to say that our students pay tuition, this is important to say, which, which uh, supports about 50% of the school. Um, and uh, so if... So coming, uh, so that's that's one way. Uh, if someone comes for a more extended period of time, we're always looking for volunteers. Uh, our core staff is paid, but we have a very large uh, volunteer staff. And actually, we're soon also launching a campaign. It's called Give the Gifts of Literacy. It's towards Rosh Hashanah um, in light of providing a new start and a new beginning to someone. So literacy is not only the ability to read and to write, but it's also what, what you do with the read, what you do with your, um, with the skill of reading and writing. And it also, uh, um, includes digital literacy. Uh, so we teach, you know, computers using, using very, very basic literacy of using the cell phone, uh, using the computer, um, uh, the internet, uh, and literacy also involves skills that we use, that we learn in school that we don't even realize today that we realize today that we learn them in school, but we use them every day, like being able to read a form or a chart um, or being able understanding the different forms of answering questions on a test um, or being able to organize information, compare and contrast information. 
education. So a lot of what goes into what we bring into our classes, whether we're teaching English, whether we're teaching computers. Uh, we have a, we're launching a campaign called Give Towards Rosh Hashanah, Give the Gift of Literacy. And anyone is um, welcome to support us through that campaign. Where do they find uh, that campaign? Uh, we'll be launching it next week. Oh, great. Uh, on the 8th of September, which is the International Day of Literacy. Uh, yes, it's in another week and a half. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook or on Instagram under the schoolhouse. And that's remarkable. And, and it's so exciting. How long will that campaign be running until? It'll be running from the 8th of September until the 27th of September. So it's exactly from the International Day of Literacy until right before Rosh Hashanah. Oh, that's so great. it'll be about three. Yeah. And then there, are there also other opportunities to donate online to support uh, this cause on the website? Uh, yeah, sure. On the website, we have a donation page and, and uh, yeah, we're Excellent. happy for any. Thank you. What? That's very exciting. I, I, I really, Sarah, I want to thank you tremendously for being on the Growth Exponential podcast. Sarah Stern, the executive director of the Schoolhouse. And um, I wish you tremendous success in all of your worthy endeavors. Thank you, Bradley. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential podcast. If you know a nonprofit professional that I should interview, email me at bradley at growthexponential.org.